Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. As uh, somebody pointed out to me, I'm always looking to try to refine uh, my sermons, so that does not give you a license to tell me what you think, but I sometimes ask people, I'm just joking, really, but um, some people don't need an invitation to tell me what they think about my sermons, and that's okay, uh, but sometimes I ask uh, newer people after they've been here for like a year, I say, hey, what uh, what stands out to you at West Hill? Is there anything that's, uh, um, you know, that's that, that you didn't see maybe in the beginning, but that you see now? And uh, some lovely person who, with all sincerity, said, I noticed that you preach shorter whenever there's a meal. I didn't realize that. So today's going to be a little bit longer. No, I'm just teasing. It actually probably will, who knows, we'll let the Spirit of God lead. But if there's some hope for you this morning, that's the hope, all right, that we get to go and eat. And I hope that you'll join us as Nathan shared. We, we, there's all kinds of soups. So thank you for bringing, uh, bringing that and preparing that. We look forward to that time of fellowship together. Um, we'll continue this morning on our, our series here of prayerful stewardship. Uh, what if? What if? And what does it look like as we come before God? And, and, and last week we looked at something that's really, really difficult. To be able to come to God and to humble ourselves to seek his face and to ask, to prayerfully come to him asking. Uh, it, it takes a great deal of humility as we think about who we are in comparison of who God is and to think we're not worthy. We're not worthy of him hearing us. We're not worthy to be called his steward and to live this life. But the truth is he's, he has equipped us. He has enabled us as we live life here, to do life as his servants, as his stewards. And so this morning, I want to continue with this theme because it is laying a foundation, a base for where we will go the next two weeks. But if we seek his face, if we humble ourselves, then, then we get to this, and I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 with me, if you're willing and able we, we come, and, and I'd like to throw this idea, what if we seek God's kingdom and righteousness first? I'm sure this is a verse that you have seen and heard before, where Matthew 6.33 talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want to read the context here. A little bit, and then at the very end, I'll show you the big context of really where where we pull out of this. Uh, it's really the Sermon on the Mount. This is a long sermon, so you think mine's long. Jesus preached one longer here, all right. And and we see here's a little a little blip of that that I want to read and I want us to look at here this morning when we think about what does it look like for us to seek God, to seek His kingdom. And his righteousness. And so if you're willing and able, would you stand with me? And we want to read. You can follow along with me. And hopefully your, your word or up on the screen. Matthew 6 verse 19. And we'll read through verse 34. Jesus says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. For if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Would you bow and pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that as we dig into it, Lord, that you would help us to uncover truths that we may already know or that we need reminded of or new truths, Lord, that your spirit would illuminate and Lord, that your spirit would show us in our hearts where we, where we may fall short and where we need your help and where we need to take seriously this idea of seeking you first, your kingdom first and your righteousness. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. May you bless it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. It's interesting as we look at uh, this section of verses, it shows a lot of action, right? I'm one of action. It's hard for me to sit for a long period of time. Uh, I was sick back a few weeks ago. Uh, don't worry, I'm over it. Trust me, you would know if I wasn't because it was that <clears throat> fluid type coming out. And it was just, I hadn't been that sick in years, like 15, like 12, 15 years. It was, and I got so sick and tired of just sitting there. All right. I was talking with Bob. He was sick this week as well with uh, some other sickness and sickness. This is going around. But do you ever get to that point where you're just like, man, I'm tired of sitting here. I'm tired of laying here. That's me. Maybe you don't get there, and that's okay. Uh, for me, I can't stay in bed long. I have to get up like my motor's running, all right? There's things to do, people to see, places to go, all of that. And, and I love it when I get to a passage of Scripture that talks about action. And if you're not that way, you want to just sit back and relax, that's okay. But really, that's not what we're looking at today. 
we're really looking at about this idea of having uh, a proactivity, to be proactive in our service. Uh, some of the action words that are mentioned here, uh, in verse 20, Jesus says to lay up. All right, there's an action there, to lay up. We have to do something. Verse 24 says to serve or to be devoted. That's not a passive. These are, these are adjectives, descriptions, verbs that are action. And then he says in verse 19, 25, 31, and 34, do not. And so he tells us what we're not to do, but he's also telling us what we should be pursuing, what we should be doing. And ultimately we see that in verse 33 where he's talking about seeking. We had a lot of fun growing up, my brothers and I. We kind of we didn't live on a farm, but essentially when you went out our back door, if you go back about a half an acre, the farm field was back there, so it was essentially there. And we worked for the farmer uh, and, and gave him his first vacation. He entrusted my brothers and I with the cows. I don't know what he was thinking, but he was desperate. After uh, 40-some years, he needed a vacation, and he took an overnight vacation and went to Sandusky, and we were in charge of those cows, and it was, it was so cool. One of the things that we did on, on our property, though, is we made, these little, we made these little trails. We called them bike trails, and then later on, uh, as we got older, uh, Dad got us a used motorcycle. It was an old 76 uh, Suzuki. It was a lot of fun, and we have a lot of memories don't ask my kids about stories. I don't want them to tell me. One of the things that we did, though, as we cut different trails, as the grass grew high in different parts, we would cut trails. We would see rabbits. Well, we had a huge garden. And part of having a huge garden is you needed to keep rabbits out, right? Uh, groundhogs, rabbit, deer, all of that, uh, they are nemesis to what you are doing. You put a lot of time and energy and effort into your garden. And so one day, uh, we went out looking for rabbits, my brothers and I, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun because all we had were just little BB guns. What, I, don't, I don't even know how we were going to do something, but the one BB gun was a pump one, and so we pumped it up the one time, and, uh, and part of our trails as we got older, we also uh, had an old vehicle that we drove around uh, in the yard, and so we were driving this old uh, it was a Chevy Impala, uh, and we were driving it around, and uh, probably way too much detail for you guys to know, but sorry. I can just take, I can see it right there. My brother is driving this blue Chevy Impala, and we're just creeping along on this little trail. And I am out the window with my little pump shotgun, just waiting for the rabbits. I was seeking after them right? We were going to get them because they had been in the lettuce and, and all the stuff that mom was growing. Sure enough, we came up on one. And I, again, pretty funny. I don't know how old I was, maybe 12, 13, hanging out the window with this pump. And I see this rabbit and I'm like, I'm going to get him. First shot, I miss. So I hurry up and he moves a little bit. And he starts moving, and I shoot him again. And I've never seen a rabbit jump as high as that rabbit did. I must have got him right in the tail end. And that made him jump like he would have jumped way over our car. It was amazing. It didn't hurt him. He just ran off. 
it might have hurt him a little bit, but that's okay. I said that for the kids, okay? He ran off. It's all right. That was an adventure where we were seeking after them, right? I would, I, we were going after something that we, we were passionate about that we needed to take care of. This idea of seeking is not something that, that is passive here. This is not something that we're just going to let life happen and that we just allow things to just take place and we'll just keep doing our own thing as the rest of our lives go on in the rest of the world. No, there is a pursuit here. This idea of seeking, we need to grab hold of it. Grab hold of it by, by the neck and say, listen, wake up. I want you to do that this morning to yourself. I want you to ask God, Lord, what would it look like if I sought after you? If I made it my mission to be proactive in seeking your kingdom and your righteousness first. It's interesting as we look at this, the righteousness that, uh, that I think Jesus is talking about, he's already referenced it back in Luke 5. So if you just jump back a page or two in your Bible, this is the same sermon that he's preaching, but in Luke 5 verse 20, he says this, Jesus says, I, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so as we think about this, this isn't just about us doing something. This isn't about us trying to, as Jesus says here, it has to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, meaning it has to be perfect. Sometimes the scribes and the Pharisees we give a hard time to, because ultimately they, they rejected Jesus, and, and rightfully so. But also understand, the scribes and the Pharisees committed their lives to knowing the law and to trying to live it out. These were not just pagan people. These were very religious people who were devoted and they were committed. And so Jesus is helping his hearers to say, ultimately his disciples, but this large crowd that has gathered here, listen, your righteousness must exceed those of the scribes and the Pharisees. So as the people heard this and as the disciples heard this, wait, how can we be more righteous than these who know the law, who understand it, who are trying to live it, who are teachers of it? How can we exceed them? We're just common, normal people. Ultimately, it's Jesus showing that it's, that it's his righteousness that we have to pursue. He's the one that makes us right. He's the one who cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. And so we see here this idea of seeking God and his kingdom and his righteousness. It's not ours. Our treasure, it's interesting, again, as we think of treasure, and Jesus makes it very clear, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Luke 12, verses 15 through 21, if you want to jump over there real quick, and then we'll come back here to Matthew, so keep your finger there. But Luke records for us... Um, 
An interesting parable that Jesus shares about the, the foolish rich man. In Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15, he said to them, Jesus said to them, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Can I just stop there for a second? If you ever need a verse that helps you realize you don't need more stuff, here it is. Write it down. Put it in front of you. All right? Put it in your wallet right in front of your credit card. All right? Put it before you. Here it is. Life, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Your life is not about your stuff. I'm so thankful it isn't. And he told them a parable, a story with a purpose to help them to see what he's trying to teach them. He said, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones. There I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. A very clear principle that helps us to understand here. Where are we laying up our treasure? Here's this parable, this story about of a rich man and if you notice the text, I have circled in my text every time it says I, me, or my. There's a lot of them in just a short little couple verses there. This man was concerned about what he had done and what God had provided for him. Nothing's wrong with that of saying, hey, man, I have a lot of things. But what he had done is he had taken his security. His identity was in his things. He had laid up for himself his treasure in these barns. That was his identity. That was his security. And yet on that very day, his life was taken from him. And so whose is it now? It shows us that when you die, you may have a Utah or Utah, a U-Haul following the hearse, but that's not going with you. You can't take your stuff with you. What can you take? Well, Jesus helps us to see at the end of this parable. The one who lays up treasure not for himself, but lays up treasure for God. Which clearly we see here in Matthew chapter 6 as Jesus is sharing this Sermon on the Mount. So we see in verse 33, Matthew 6. Six back, back in Matthew here. He says, seek. Seek first to look, to desire, to attempt to find. Just like we were looking to find the rabbits. What are you looking to find? What are you pursuing? He says, look, seek first. This word means first, beforehand, Preominent, it means what is of most importance. 
This doesn't mean that you can put and say, okay, God, I got you first, and then I have this second, and then this third, and this fourth. No, ultimately, when, when the context tells us this Greek word, this is of most importance. This is the one thing I am seeking after. There isn't other things. This isn't about, oh, I get to do this and do this. And actually, our text tells us that. You can't love both God and money. So there isn't like, okay, I'm going to put you God first, and then I'm going to seek after money too, but it's underneath you. It doesn't work that way. No, first, priority, the only thing that our hearts are desiring and to strive and to run after is what? The kingdom. This kingdom is not something new that Jesus is talking about here in our section here of chapter 6. No, he's already talked about it earlier. In, in chapter 5, verse 19, he also talks about it later at the end of his, of his sermon. In chapter 7, and verse 21, Jesus is talking about his kingdom, that he is the king, and he's establishing this kingdom, and he wants others to be a part of it. So seek the kingdom and the righteousness. It's interesting, the Greek, there's an article here. It's not just righteousness, it's the righteousness. The righteousness of who? We've already talked about this a little bit ago. It's not your righteousness. In fact, our good deeds, the Bible tells us, our good deeds are like filthy rags. That's our good deeds. Imagine what your bad deeds are. Mine are bad. And they're yucky. Yours are too. You say, well, I'm not that bad. Yes, you are. I love you and I care about you. I want the very best for you, but I want to speak truth to you. And the Bible tells us that our good deeds are like filthy rags. You cannot earn God's goodness, his love. You can't earn his righteousness. Your righteousness is not comparable to what God's righteousness is. But as we seek his kingdom, we realize that. We realize we miss the mark. We realize that we fall short of his glory. And we need, we passionately need him. And we need his righteousness. I need his guidance. I need his help for this day. And the next day. And the next day. Why? Because I continue to fall short. It's his righteousness. I love the promise here. As we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. What things? Well, it's very clear what he's talking about. As he shared earlier in the context here in verse 25, he begins and he walks through what it's like to be anxious. Are you anxious about life? You ever been anxious about life? I think we've all been there before. All you have to do is pull out your checkbook and try to balance it. I don't know if any of you do that today, but if you just get online and you can pull up your I have a little app. I pull up my checking account and I see all that's been taken out and what little's been left. And I think, oh, I know this bill, this bill, and this bill is coming. We've all been there. We all have times where we walk through life. When life happens and the anxieties overtake us, the fundamental things that the Gentiles are worried about the rest of the world is worried about food. I can say sometimes I'm, I am too. But in true reality, I'm not hungering. And our 
first world today. We don't have third world issues. We have first world issues. And so many of us, there may be some, either listening or here today, who maybe you worry about how much food you're going to have this week. What about your clothing? Again, I look at it, and my brothers and I, we, we shared a lot of hand-me-downs. Sometimes I look back at pictures, and I'm like, Mom, you put me in that? She's like, that's, that's what we had. I despised going thrift shopping when I was a kid. It was like the worst. That's why it was like when our girls wanted to go thrift shopping, I'm like, you are not for me. Praise God. When we think about clothing, it is something that we need and, and that, that we can, we can o- overcome us to think about, okay, how, how am I going to have this need taken care of? Unfortunately and fortunately, we don't worry a lot about food and clothing today. We might worry and say, hey, I, am I in style? The good thing is I'm old enough now I don't have to really worry about that. Except it embarrasses my kids sometimes, but that's all right. It's good for them. But when we think of this, we, we think about the anxiety of life, we, of, of food. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? In verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. There's that word, seek. They're pursuing What they're desiring are these things because they're of what's most important. They're needed. And we see that. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows exactly what we need. And so we come to him acknowledging and saying, God, I have some big needs. And I'm going to trust you that you're going to take care of those. Essentially, that's what we do when we seek first the kingdom of God. When we say there's something more to my life than what is going on here on this earth. Sometimes we get so pinpointed and focused on the issues and the problems of today, right here and now, that we lose sight of what life is really all about. Life is much bigger than you. No amens there, right? Because we all kind of like our own focus and we like life to be a little bit about me, right? Well, life is much bigger than you and me and yet God knows exactly what we need and he knows how to take care of us. What he asks is to seek after him. Seeking after him means that we pursue something bigger. It's interesting when I looked at the Greek words here of verses 19 and 20. When it talks about laying, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. We, we know what that is. That's land. This, it's a Greek word for land. It's like soil. You go out and you grab soil, right? Don't lay up stuff here on the soil, on the land. But later in verse 19, it says, or verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This Greek word really means sky, So don't lay up something that's in the dirt or on the dirt, but lay up something that's up in heaven, up in the sky, something you can't see. I I was writing this, and it's interesting because where our treasure is, it's on earth, 
or in the heavens. I was going to write on heaven, but it's not. When you think about the bigness and the vastness, it's something that we, we can't really grasp hold of. But we believe by faith and we trust that it's there. So I ask you, what are you seeking after? Treasures on earth? Eating, drinking, clothes to wear? The Gentiles seek after these things. I think this is just a little microchasm of what uh, something bigger is. It's not just about the eating, the drinking, the clothes to wear. Those are the essentials of what a, a person needs. Are you pursuing taking care of yourself? Or are you trusting in the one who created you and placed you here? Are you trusting him to take care of you? Are you seeking him as most important? The preeminent position of your life. Who is it? What is it? What is it that you spend your time and your energy, your mental energy is focused on? What is it that controls you and gets you out of bed and drives you? Let me tell you here this morning, and I don't mean this to, uh, to, to come and to throw rocks at you this morning. I, I'm learning this too. But I'm, I'm here to tell us, and God's here to tell us and to remind us that if there is anything or anyone who is in that prominent, the first place of our lives, other than Jesus, we have it wrong. We're no better than the Gentiles. We're no better than the world. Those who are unsaved, those who will never enter the kingdom of heaven, how are we better than them if we are not seeking first Jesus and God's kingdom? So how do we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness? This is where I want to read for you some notes that I put in summary of Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain. Because if you want to learn what it means to seek first the kingdom of God, take your Bible and start studying Matthew 5 through 7. Jesus lays it all out there and he says, this is how you're supposed to live life. Those who are my children, those who are seeking first the kingdom, this is how life is to be lived. And so, in summary, let me read this to you. Jesus teaching his disciples in the crowd, how to live life. He starts off and he says, you're salt and you're light. He says, we stand out. There's something different about us. He says, I want you to do everything that I command you to do. Do you like taking commands? Do all that Jesus commanded. And he has a higher standard of living. How to treat a brother. Adultery isn't just doing the deed. In fact, it's looking and lusting after someone. Those who are in marriage, be committed. Don't easily go to divorce. 
about your word, you're to be a person who keeps his word. What you say should be what you do. Avoid disputes. Retaliation. Retaliation to personal offenses. See, this isn't about keeping the law. It's about a transformation of our hearts. Jesus wants us pure both inside and out. Because why? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And instead, we've been shown mercy. We need to show mercy. Instead, we've been shown sacrificial love. We're called to show sacrificial love. God is long-suffering with us. Thus, we should be long-suffering with others. We're to love our enemies. Righteous living is not with the intent to show yourself as being good. Now give to the needy. Pray and fast. Do all that you do for the treasure that's in heaven. When you're living as part of God's kingdom, he knows exactly what you need and he will provide it. Don't worry, God's got you. Remember that you fall short and so don't judge other people. Treasure what you've been given. The God in heaven will give you good things, blessings that you don't deserve. In all of this, I want you to live this way, Jesus says in this sermon. I want you to live this way. The way you wish others would live and do to you. It isn't easy, Jesus says. The easy and the popular way, it doesn't have a good ending. But the challenging and the hard way, it leads to life. And it's worth it. So be careful. Be careful because there are going to come some who will try to enter in. And they want to deceive you. They want to teach you false things. That sound and look good. But you'll know who they are. By how they live. By the fruit of their life. So we have an option. Will we listen and will we hear what Jesus has shared in this sermon? Ultimately, we should not disregard or push aside because we don't want to be foolish like the man who laid a foundation on the sand and he suffered great loss. Instead, let's be wise. Let's build our foundation on the Lord Jesus Christ and experience the peace, the blessing, the security, the gifts, all that he has intended and desired for us to those who seek his kingdom first as the priority of our lives. It's called obedience to God, making my life and giving it to him. To do his will, not what I want, not what I desire. Luke 9, 61 and 62 says this. 
think it's up here on the screen. It should be for you. Jesus says to another, I will follow you, Lord. Or another man was talking to Jesus. Hey, this is in a series, three different men. This is the last one. He says, Jesus, I, I'm gonna, I'll follow you, but let me first go and say farewell to those at my home. Some of you may be sitting here this morning saying, hey, I'll seek you first, but there's some things I need to get straightened out first. And Jesus says this in response. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We had a rototiller, and as we went through the garden, we would go through each row. And it was important to keep that rototiller because it was just wide enough. That rows, the rows were set apart just wide enough for that tiller to fit in between to dig up all the weeds. But you had to pay attention. Because if you didn't pay attention, pretty soon you're going over into the plants. And that meant you were in big trouble as a kid. You had to pay attention and look forward. I remember there was a time or two when I'm running that rototiller and I look back because I want to see how things are going. And as I turn and look and say, oh, it's tilling good. I'm getting it done. I look back forward and where have I gone? I've lost sight. I've destroyed plants. Things have gone awry. And I know what's coming. Jesus is saying, listen, you don't go start rototiller and, and look backwards and say, I'm, I'm going to, I, I got to check this out over here. No, you got to pay attention. You got to stay focused. This isn't a passive, oh, I'm just going to sit on the sideline. No, you've got to pursue. You've got to be looking out. You've got to be saying, I've got to keep this thing in, this, in line here. Because if I go astray, I know there's damages coming. When we get sidetracked from seeking first the kingdom of God, there are damages coming. There are consequences to seeking what I want. Jesus is saying here, listen, you're not fit to be part of my kingdom if you're going to plow and you're going to turn around. That's not the way my kingdom should be. And yet we have raised a generation and we've been taught in America what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we've made it all this sunshine and roses and we've made it this, oh, you, you, it's okay, God's loving and he's gracious and he's kind. Yes, he is. But look at the requirement he has for his kingdom and for those who are part of be, to be part of the workers of that kingdom. Stop living double lives. That's not what it's about. Get your gaze and get your focus straight ahead. Yes, we have a loving and a kind and a forgiving God. But that does not give us the license to do whatever we want. Some of you have areas of your life that you think you're riding the fence. And no, I haven't followed you around the last week. I know it because this is my life. And this is what I wrestle with. And I wrestled all week as I prepared this sermon, thinking I am unworthy to be able to preach something like this. And yet this is what our pursuit should be. Seek first the kingdom of God 
Watch what God could do if we do that. Don't look back. Eugene Peterson in his translation of this same verse, verse 62. No procrastination. No backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. Seize the day. In closing, Kyle Eidelman in his book, Not a Fan, says it this way. There is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no salvation without surrender. There is no life without death. And there is no believing without committing. Where are you today? What would it look like as prayerful servants of God if we humbled ourselves and we come to God and we say, Lord, I need your help to seek you first. Do we not think he is merciful and gracious enough to help us if we cry out? He is. And he desires that for you. And he desires that for me, his children. He doesn't force us. There are definitely consequences when we don't. But his desire for you and for me today is to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And he's going to take care of everything else. Will you bow your heads with me? Where are you this morning when it comes to seeking first as preeminent as the most important thing of your life? There is nothing greater in it. Is, is it God's kingdom? Is that first? Or have you been deceived? Have you been led astray? Have you, over time, like the frog that's in the pot, have you become desensitized to the things of your life that have slowly crept in and moved you from seeking God, his kingdom, and his righteousness first? Are you laying up treasures here that mean nothing for eternity? God invites you. Just like the father who welcomed his prodigal son home, he invites you this morning to come and run to his loving arms. To seek his face. 
to ask for forgiveness, to repent, to turn, to have a change of mind and heart. And a commitment, a renewal to seek living the way God desires. I don't normally do this, but uh, I feel led with your head bowed and your eyes closed. I want to pray for you if that's you. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I, I, I need that renewal. This morning I, I've been challenged and I realize there's an area or somewhere in my life. I see that hand. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I see it. God sees it. Lord, we need your spirit to continually remind us and help us. Thank you for the conviction that you give us. That when we're wrong, you love us enough to bring us back to you. Lord, I, I know these people here that sit here. A great majority of them love you and they desire to honor you. And Lord, I pray for those who have raised their hand here this morning that want to commit to that renewal, to, to come back and to see the need to seek you first. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help them, encourage them, strengthen them. May your spirit fill them and overflow in them that earnest and seeking desire to want you first, to place you there in their lives and to live in a way that pleases you and is not about themselves. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your righteousness and your justice. Thank you that you desire our very best, Lord. And the very best is seeking you in your kingdom. Even though it's hard. Even though it's challenging. And even though it may feel like sometimes we're, we're on that path alone. Thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters who sit here today and who are listening online, Lord. They're a reminder to me that I'm not alone, that we are not alone. And so we prayerfully, continually ask you, Lord, as prayerful stewards of yours, to help us seek your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing and believing that you will take care of all of our needs. We thank you for your work in our lives. Go before us, Lord, now as we enjoy some time of fellowship, some time together of eating.
May you bless the food to our body. May it give us nourishment and strength. And I pray that you would be glorified in our conversations. And that what we've learned and what we have heard here today will take with us beyond today. And we'll live it out this week. And we'll share it with others. We love you, Lord. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus, who gives us life, who will one day come back for us and usher us into that glorious kingdom. Amen. We encourage you, even if you didn't make plans, there's plenty of soup. I did sneak in there to see. I didn't sample any of them, but I did go in there to see how many were there. There's plenty of soup there, and so please... Join us, enjoy our conversation. Um, I, ho I hope that you will have a, not only a wonderful day, but a great week ahead. Lord bless you.